What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Ty and Bob pod with Bob McGinn. I'm Tyler Dunn here at Golong, golongtd.com and part of the Substack platform. Thank you so much for listening, for subscribing. Uh, no ads, no sponsors. It's all about our readers, Bob, and we are forever grateful for your support because it's that reason that we can, uh, you know, travel the country, cover some games, sit down with some players. I just got back from Cincinnati, Ohio, Bob. It was an eventful weekend. Uh, the Bengals, first of all, the Bengals public relations department, unbelievably helpful. So had a great sit down interview it was about an hour and a half actually with, uh, one of their best players, a player, let's just say they're hoping smashes that door down and helps them get to the Super Bowl and win it once and for all. So we'll have that story eh, probably in a week or two and then covered a little Bills Bengals, which it looked like it was going to be a track meet, Bob. It looked like it might be a, a fun, you know, 40 something to 40 something game that I know you hate, you loathe. <laughs> and then it just it grinded to a halt for one team anyways uh man the bills have some major questions to to answer so i'll probably get into that with jim mona soon but we can touch on it um it was ugly for the bills and i don't everybody who watched the game i think had the same feeling right like when cincinnati went down and scored that first drive and then you know the i know the Bills scored after that but it just felt like the bengals weren't just total command of the game Zach Taylor had Sean McDermott's number. The Bills offense was out of sorts. And here they are with a Super Bowl window that's that's closing. So, yes, Bob, finished that story this morning on about two hours of sleep and trucked it on back to Western New York, a, a nice seven-hour drive, which, as Mike McCarthy once said, long drives are good for the soul, but it's difficult when you're on fumes. <laughs> Wow, that's a rough one, T. Yeah. <laughs> How far? Seven-hour drive, Cincinnati to south of Buffalo? You know, when you work in those uh, Starbucks stops and a gas stop, <laughs> it's about seven. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You're it's, it's a great drive, though. You know, open road, farmland, just not a lot of traffic. That's good. Yeah, it's an enjoyable drive. Listen to all the uh, sports talk radio that I know you love so much, right? You like tune it in to yeah. break so it down Tyler, the action. So, Tyler, we got to uh, we got to work into this one then and get you to bed, right? That's the key well, on this one all the way. Hey, got to power through. Got to power through. You know, if we can do a podcast with Brett Favre starting up teenth games in a row, the least I can do is uh, – <laughs> sit on my ass and do a podcast for our listeners. <laughs> but yes, this might be a Bob McGinn fueled. They they usually are uh, on this, on this edition, Bob McGinn fueled podcast. But I did watch uh green Bay's win over the Los Angeles Rams at Lambeau field. Um, it wasn't pretty far from it. I'm sure they'll make no apologies because this is a team desperate for a win. What were your thoughts, Bob? What did you think of this game? Yeah, it was a terrible game. <laughs> <laughs> I was being kind. <laughs> it was, but, you know, I mean, all those years on the beat, I never, man, I remember in the first couple of years, I was 
detracting uh, point aesthetic points, you know, on a on a victory when it didn't look good. Man, I learned after about three, four years, forget that stuff. They're hard to come by. You got to treat them as as an accomplishment, an achievement, which they are, and they got it done. So, you know, right now, Tyler, of the 16 teams in the NFC, only nine have a better record than Green Bay. Hmm. That's why I've always looked at playoff situations in the middle or early part of the year. How many are better in the conference than you? There's only nine better. I mean, this thing is totally up in the air. They're at three and five. They could go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, they could. It definitely can. They'll spin it that direction, but I'm with you. It was a really ugly game. And in and, and every facet, we'll get into it. Not quite as ugly as the Bills win over the Giants a few weeks ago. So with that as a framework, I think maybe I'll be a little kinder to the Packers because that, that really did feel like a game that the Bills really did not deserve to win whatsoever. Where the Packers, they, they did deserve to win this game. and They played Brett Rippon and a Rams offense that you know, I think getting to midfield was a bit of an odyssey for them. So they were the better team. And Jordan Love gets a much-needed win. Pittsburgh next on the schedule, which yeah, I suppose is a winnable game. But, man, I mean, Mike Tomlin Heck is yeah. just. You know, Pittsburgh's point differential, they're minus 30. Green Bay's point differential, plus one. They can win this game. Of course they can. All right, get us All started. Right, so- so I'm going to start, to me, if I was a Packer fan or, or a scout for them, there was one development here that could be really important and was really impressive. And this is Carrington Valentine, the guy who started at corner with Rasul Douglas gone. I said last week that that was one of the best moves Gutekunds had made in a long time. This just reinforced it in my mind. I had seen enough of Valentine early in the year when Alexander was hurt to really be intrigued. And now I saw more starting. I mean, he's playing against Cooper Cup and uh, Nakua, the really hot rookie. Valentine really looked good, Tyler. Let's get his numbers. We'll start with the DBs. 5'11 and a half. Let me get to the corners. Hold on. Ah, special team safeties. 5'11 and a half, 191. He ran 444 out of Kentucky. 13 on the test, 39 vert, 10 8 broad, on only nine on the bench. His arms are good, 32 and a quarter. The guy really played good. Uh, third and nine early in the game, they ran a, a, a curl to 2 2 Atwater, broke the darn thing up. Bubble screen in Nakua, read it, charged it, attacked it, broke it up. Quick force in the run game. Rasul Douglas does not do that anymore. He's making business decisions. Uh, stopped it. His teammates and him were involved. No gain. Good cover on third and 10, an out that fell incomplete. Very physical player against Nakua. Had another uh, PBU on an out pattern. It was an extremely impressive performance by Carrington Valentine. Could they get a starting corner in the seventh round? It would be the highlight of the season if this guy if this guy does it. I mean, he's playing better than uh, than um, 
Eric Stokes did last season, I would say. Oh, I've seen him in like four games, Valentine. It was a huge encouraging development for Green Bay's defense. And they got a third-round pick. They give up a five, but they got a third coming for Douglas, who just flat wasn't that good. Okay, let's stay with the, let's stay with the secondary. You know, two backup safeties. I mean, they're backups replacing backups. I don't know that it makes any real difference. But Owens, I thought, the guy from the Texans, pretty tough hitter. Uh, I like the way he took on the cool ones on a short yardage blocking situation. He got a strip sack. Played pretty good. And then the other guy, Johnson, the rookie from where Iowa State, I think it is, he missed right. a tackle, and he was a little late on that 44-yard uh, seam route to Cup. But he had a, a pass breakup later to the tight end, uh, put his helmet on the ball beautifully, and he made a pick. Ball was up in the air, tipped, great tip by Alexander, and he made a pick. All right, so the safeties didn't hurt him at all. Nixon, they were run blitzing. I mean, they didn't respect uh, – who's the quarterback? Brett, <laughs> Brett Rippon, right? <laughs> they didn't Don't respect him. Brett Rippon. Filling the gaps, jamming the box, run blitzing. I mean, you know. And Nixon ran in there on a couple of first-half run blitzes, gains of two, gain of one. He got beat on a slot out to Nakua for 18. Injured, came back. He's a tough guy. And then Alexander, I mean, again, he was given ground early to Nakua. First series, third and five, gives up a 10-yard stop route. And then he played off on cup thing. I think he could have been in better shape on that 44-yarder. Third and two, man coverage, gives up a three-yard completion. But then he came back in the second half at a PBU against Cup on a shallow crosser, and then he made a great play over there on that whole shot um, and tipped the interception to Johnson. So the secondary uh, against a JV quarterback played pretty good. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Brett Rippian, huh? <laughs> It did feel like a JV quarterback, the the nephew of Mark Rippon. Right? Yeah. Shredding Super the Bowl Buffalo here. Bills in the Super Bowl once upon a time. Yep. All right, let's stay on the D. Uh, Kenny Clark goes out with a shoulder injury in the second quarter. That's not good. He was getting some penetration, too. Uh, they had eight penalties for 57, and another couple declined. Terrible. He was offsides. That was declined. I didn't think Wyatt did much in this game. But Brooks, the guy from Bowling Green, batted two balls, killed that really good rookie guard, Steve Avila, on minus six, a run for minus six. He did blow contained twice on ripping in the first half for seven, gains of seven and eight. Um, when Clark went out, Colby Wooden, the rookie from Auburn, came in. Man, on that fourth and two run stop, he shed the left tackle, Larrick Jackson. Uh, and made the stop was a huge play in the game. Uh, I guess that's the D-line. We got them all here. Oh, Slayton, I didn't write much down on him. That's it there, T. Keep going to the edge. Yeah, but that's a great point, though. I mean, it, these guys are going to play, and it's going to be rough at times when you play a JV quarterback, an inferior quarterback, with good weapons. I mean, they did have to run around and, and chase Cooper Cup, for crying out loud. Yeah, that probably is the uh, the silver lining through a season like this. I mean, Anthony Johnson is the 242nd overall pick. Carrington Valentine, 232nd. 
Hmm. I'm just looking at Carl Brooks, 179th. Dontavian Wicks, he's playing a lot now, 159. Colby Wooden, 116. So your rookies are playing playing a ton, for better or worse. So mm-hmm. good point. Why, why even have Rasul Douglas out there if he's not considerably better than these guys? Doesn't make any sense. People were there was this talk after the trade about how important Rasul Douglas was. What? He's not important at all. He, he wasn't a run force guy, and he made plays gambling, not the not the real classic way. And then he got he gets beat. He got beat early in the year on a couple of touchdown passes. I mean, he's just a guy. He doesn't run good. His speed. There were a couple really Bills fans good. that were pretty upset with you, Bob. You know they know were they know they know Rasul Douglas's game better than you. <laughs> Haven't seen him and grinded the film and looked at. Box I mean, I never. I've never met the guy. I don't, maybe he is a leader. I, I can't say that. But I don't but know. But you've watched every snap of his through your you know, decades of experience. I, I trust your instincts on this matter. He probably does have a leadership element. He probably is a really good locker room guy. All that stuff does matter. It does. But a little bit. This team at this time to swap a, a fifth for a third. While these guys get to get experience, no brainer. And they they knew what they had in Valentine. That staff and and the GM they know Valentine a lot better than we do. They've seen him, you know, since uh, May. And they wouldn't have made that deal, I don't think, unless they had a solid young kid in Valentine. He really played good. All right, let's go to the edge. Now, we, I've been talking for several weeks about seeing something from Lucas Van Ness, the first-round pick from Iowa. Well, just he made one play in this game. And, again, this is what you wanted to see from this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the situation, but that third-string tight end, uh, Davis Allen, a fifth-round pick this year, he tried to block Lucas Van Ness straight up. He got knocked into a heap about two, three yards into the – he just deposited the guy. He straight-armed him. He out-strengthened him. And then there's Rippian kind of booting out to that side, over to Van Ness's side. He showed burst to the QB there, T. He drilled the guy, knocked him on his butt, and then surged towards Rippian, and the ball had to be thrown away. He, you know, he just – he misjudged Van Ness's speed, and then he just fed a fire at it was the best play I think he's made all year. It was really impressive. That's exactly what all the scouts who liked him had seen at Iowa. That was good. Um, Rashawn Gary, I didn't think he did much. He had a knockdown, but he got a face mask penalty on the play. He got a sack against Note Boom, the backup right tackle for the ex-Badger Havenstein, but he got penalized for being offsides on the play. Mm-hmm. He showed some good chase sideline to sideline, and then he got a knockdown uh, – against Noteboom later, but he didn't have a great game. Preston Smith didn't either. Either He came off a stunt. He was unblocked and made a tackle for no game. He batted a ball, but I didn't see much pressure at all. And uh, that takes care of the edge, T. Um, oh, Anik Barre. Um, you know, he eluded Higby on a running play, the tight end for no game, and he made a great read on a toss for minus five. He shows you just enough to keep him alive, you know? He's a big physical guy. Looks like he's really into it. 
He's not bad. He's not bad as a third, third or fourth edge. All right, that's it there. Now we go to the D uh, linebackers. Okay, so Walker sits out with uh, with a groin injury and is replaced by McDuffie, who didn't play last week at all from scrimmage. Man, these young players, they showed last yesterday, Tyler. McDuffie, a great read on a toss for minus five. Then another running play beats the right tackle, note boom for minus three. You know, they were just terrific plays. Two running plays for minus eight. Terrific stuff. Campbell, I didn't have a real feel for Devondre Campbell in this game. Um, he, he did what he had to do, but I really don't have anything to say about him. I guess that's the D, Tyler. Three points. Yeah. Not bad. They didn't have their quarterback. They didn't have their running back, uh, Williams. They didn't have their right tackle. And they didn't have their QB. But I like this test coming up. Right. This is this is an offense that you should have success against. They've they've been sputtering most of this season. I know they yeah. turned it on in the fourth quarter. That that's kind of Kenny Pickett's thing, and he's got a good thing going with George Pickens. I think I might even like the Steelers offense a little more than most. I think Matt Canada to just say that it's all his fault is really lazy. Like they did some good stuff Thursday night against the Titans, actually. They they really did. And Pickett has just kind of missed some throws. And that Najee Harris isn't exactly a burner himself. Uh, but it's it it's a step up from what they saw in the Rams. So another good test, another winnable game on the road. Eager to see what all those young players can do. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the special teams now. Carlson, he was shaky. He was shaky in this game. He missed from 48 wide left. He hit from 26 barely. He hit from 34 barely. Uh, one of the extra points was shaky. His kickoffs, he only had two touchbacks out of five. Really wasn't a cold game. It was a little shaky. Uh, Whalen, the punter, he was okay. Angabar had a hold on a punt return. Zane Anderson, the backup safety, had a good hit. Nixon had a 15-yard punt return. The guys had a 51-yard kickoff return. He's nasty good on that stuff, Ty. And um, Johnson missed a tackle on a kickoff return. That's it on the on the teams. Hey, what do you make of these offside calls, just in general? I mean, it's not just this Packers game. You saw it in the Steelers. Lost to Jacksonville, and Tomlin said he'd never seen it called. It's clearly an emphasis. And I guess you can see a lot of times the, the helmet of a player a little forward. But, man, what a back-breaking penalty that the league has decided to just flag. They're trying to take the edge off the quarterback sneak, right, and giving the D a shot. They've, you know, they've, they've listened and read and heard all this stuff about how easy it is to – convert now in third and one, fourth and one. And that the league probably told the supervising official, and now he told the officials in conference calls that, hey, let's not let that offense get a jump. Don't give them a break on lining up, you know. And I kind of like it. Get them back. <laughs> <laughs> you would you would like more government bureaucracy. Come on. <laughs> let them play. No, let no. them live. Freedom. <laughs> Don't tread on you, Ati. 
That's right. All right. <laughs> Shall we go to the O? <laughs> Let's do it. All right, the offense. Uh, well, let's start with Watson. He's not exactly Alan Lazard when he's blocking in the box uh, on short yardage when they bring him in or when he's out wide on bubble stuff. He's kind of a lousy blocker, Tyler. He gets knocked around. He's Does a he, big that, guy. That's a great observation. I hadn't really watched that at all. Tyler, the guy's 6'4", 208. 18 on the bench, which is really good for his position. Show some resolve, you know. Show some heart. Get after people. And then he makes a great catch on that takeoff route against the Blitz. Really a heck of a catch with the safety all over him. Um, and then he leaves the game. You know, he got knocked out of a bunch of games last year, too, with whatever hammy. I don't remember it all that stuff. It's kind of brittle. From North Dakota State, you shouldn't be brittle, T. That's, <laughs> That's right. cold weather country. <laughs> that is strange. Yeah, you think of all the attributes a wide receiver from North Dakota State would have. Toughness okay. would seem to be very high on that list. But So Dobbs was their, their best wideout. I mean, he really ran a nice comeback and made a low catch there for 18. He, uh, on third and six, another comeback, tightly covered, caught that ball in his hands for a gain of 10. It was a marvelous play. On that third and two, uh, Love wanted to go to him, and he slipped on that darn thing, and then it turned into a sack. These are just young guys. Reed, you know, false start at the end of the half, takes him out of the two-minute. He goes 21 on a reverse. Um to Ray, I don't know, the guy from Nebraska, I don't know if he was injured this week or what, but he's inactive, and they play Heath, the rookie free agent, and the ball's not a great thrown 20 yards downfield, and he drops the thing at the Ram 29. You got the injury report, Tyler? No, there's a few questions that we had from readers in our live chat. That's what it looks like I'm taking notes here. So mm. sorry, I just don't okay. want to forget, uh, forget what they yeah. had to say. Um, and Wicks, third and seven, nice shallow cross for nine. Fumbles on the sideline. I mean, I can't blame the guy for that. I mean, it's just coincidental. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know. He took that hard, too. Boy, didn't he? Yeah, people were hugging him, and he was down. Yeah. I'd like to see that. And then, um, then from the slot, he ran a really nice sideline route, and Love put it on him beautifully for 18. That was impressive. All right, the tight ends, T, um, Musgrave. Well, the touchdown, 20-yard, great design by Matt LaFleur and Stenovich and whoever's involved in that play. I mean, the fake screen, the fake swing, the tight end delay, beautiful stuff. Musgrave made a nice catch and eluded the safety at the five, 20-yard touchdown, great stuff. He ran a deep corner route over the linebacker, Reader, who was replacing the really good linebacker, Ernest Jones, who didn't play. Gain of 25. That's what he's there for. He can run. He's tall. He's long. And, he can, and he's got good hands. Now in the blocking department. <laughs> he missed a Young early on a third and one that didn't go anywhere. He missed that Hope guy on a carry that only went three. Should have been more. 
He gets knocked around on the line of scrimmage. He was terrible at the point of attack on a third and one that failed again. And then Kraft, the, the bigger of the two rookie tight ends, he was terrible at the point of attack on that, also on that third and one for no gain. And then he got a holding penalty. I mean, I'll never say a team misses Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> but in that one aspect of the game, they do miss him because they don't have a blocking tight end. I don't know. Did Sims play this week? Let's see. Uh, yeah, he played five snaps. I didn't notice him. Okay, and then we got DeGoro. He can't hit a moving target. He's a tough guy. He tries hard. We got him wired. All right, that's it on the uh, on the receivers. You know, we've, we've got a, an awesome reader right down there in Cincinnati. Jason Brown met up with him down there. Great dude. And he's always in our live chats. He made a really good point on the receivers during the game, just looking back. He sees in Christian Watson a receiver who just fights the football when he's trying to make a catch. Right? Does, doesn't it just seem like it's not as natural as it should be? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I just and, don't know about him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, it's difficult to read him, but it's not to get ahead of myself, but what was your thought on uh, fourth and inches kicking a field goal? I, I guess versus the Rams, you'd. You do that? I liked but, it. Yeah, they were impotent. Yeah. I mean, go kick it. Impotent. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were impotent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's go to the old line. Um, you know, Myers has played better. I'd say games four, five, six, maybe in there. I didn't like him from the start. He started this game really good. He he was getting to the second level, coming off that block, beautiful off the. The D lineman to the linebacker, really nice. He got beat by the rookie nose tackle, Turner, on a, a one-on-one, gain of two. He got downfield on the end around, looked good. He got a holding penalty against uh, Turner again. And then he just didn't show any sustain a couple times in the second half. So I think he had an average game. Um, Runyon, all right. So it appears that he's at fault for both offsides on fourth and one. Right. They call Nyman's name once, but it looks like right, run. Right. All right. Um, it just can't happen. Maybe once, but it can't happen twice. Yeah. Just brutal mistake. Red zone. He gave a sack to Aaron Donald, but you got to say, yeah, he got beat inside on a sack. Donald's going to beat a lot of, I mean, he's a great player. I thought the Packer O line did pretty darn good against Aaron Donald. And he gave up a, a hurry to Murchison, who came off the bench late and really looked good. So that's Runyon. They uh, they started Yash Nyman. Uh, he had a miss in the run game. He missed that uh, defensive end, Jonah Williams, on a carry for no gain. Uh, then he hurt his back. So they came in with Walker. I thought Walker showed, you know, he's been benched. I thought he was... Playing harder. Hmm. I, I looked at him quite a bit. I thought he played harder in this game. Maybe losing his job lit a fire. I don't know, but I thought he was okay in this game. I really did. Okay. And Tom um, Tom doesn't have many bad plays, Tyler. Um, he's playing good football at right tackle. 
that looks like a really good pick two years ago. Uh, fourth round, I believe Tom is. Yeah. So, and Jenkins, uh, he had a knockdown on a stunt to Hecht. He had a bad run when he missed uh, the very active Colby Turner, the rookie from Wake Forest. Um, I guess that's it on the on the line, Tyler. Should we go to the QB? Let's do it. Okay. This was a big spot for Jordan Love. I mean, he pressure was on. It still he is had, on, obviously. He had to win this game. Be. Um, you know, he was just an average player in this game. Um, he got some good breaks now, which he could have really been stung on a few things. In chronological order, he threw wild on a screen to Jones. He underthrew Watson deep on a possible 38-yard touchdown. It was that really was a bad, bad throw. That was bad. He threw a great uh, a great gun that 10-yard out. I think it was on third and something. Really a nice throw. You know, right now, Tyler, I think he's throwing better outside than in the middle or deep. Yeah. That's a good observation. Yeah. He's got enough arm strength, obviously, to throw anywhere on the field. Watson is just, I don't know. They just don't, I don't know if he doesn't trust them or what, but the ball's not going Watson's way. Watson's on that field, 56 snaps, and he gets targeted twice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. The deep catch and um, the deep miss. You know, I mean, the great interview you had with Kurt Warner last week, touched on a lot of uh, Love's mechanics. Um, yeah, and I was trying to remember Kurt's words and watching him this week, but it, I hope uh, our listeners will go back and read that thing by Kurt Warner. It was really good. Oh, I appreciate that, Bob. Yeah, the way he yeah. described it, it's he does such a good job on breaking down every quarterback, but it's in layman's terms, just with Jordan Love, how he is too bouncy, right? It, it's... He's not in that ready position. He said, the best way I can describe it is if I were to just throw you a football, are you instantly in that ready position? Like you're ready to just pull the gun out of the holster and, and strike. And it just, there, there's too much wasted motion. And you can kind of see that when he's back there, it's a little yeah. lanky and awkward at times. Bounces, bounces. And then when he and delivers his, yep. his feet are in different positions, I think. Um, yep. Okay. He held the ball for a sack, 5.5 seconds, you know. He threw a really good uh, post-corner uh, corner route to Musgrave. Um, sometimes he just can't pull a trigger, you know, and uh, it's hard to know what's going on downfield, but um, he could not outrun Aaron Donald on that crucial sack. That kind of surprised me. The backward pass under pressure from minus eight he was brutally that was a brutal air and he was, he got lucky he had the near fumble on the sack when he shoveled the ball forward again he got a break there um and he ran into a sack climbing the pocket i mean he did not have a pick and i don't think he was really close to a pick which is big He's not turning the ball over in that regard. He had no turnovers. He came close to a couple here, but he had a winning effort. Um, 
Aaron Donald is an intimidating force coming at you all day long, Tyler. Aaron Donald played 56 snaps, 78%. And that's an all-timer coming at you. And I thought he uh, he didn't panic. He doesn't panic in the pocket. And the receiving core is what it is. A work in progress. <laughs> Wet behind the ears. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, the running backs. So Aaron Jones, he finally got... He finally was made the featured guy in this game, you know. First time all year, he had 24 touches for 99 yards. Dylan had 10 for 43 in a good effort. So Jones, you know, man, he's got a big heart. I mean, he's just got second effort always. He has his whole life. He just has so much will. He's a great guy. I mean, it's good to see him back. You know, you're kind of wondering if he was losing it, but he was hurt and coming back from this injury. And now we saw it here. You know, the guy is still one hell of a football player. You know, he gets, uh, it's interesting. I guess the word sometimes is pinballing, but when he, he will run backwards with his back to the defense when he gets hit and he's surging backwards, stepping backwards. Man, that's an awkward position to be in. You're taking shots. You can't even see him coming. This guy's a hell of a football player. Uh, he bounced to daylight on that three-yard touchdown with a subtle cut when the, the point of attack was closed off. He, uh, all right, the fumble. He had two arms around the ball, and he had a good gain. I mean, just a great strip. I don't know who did it, but it was a hell of a strip. There's no excuses on a fumble. You know, I get all that. But, boy, it's not that he was doing anything too loose. And he had a, oh, I know, at the end, the last comment on him, man, um, Aaron Donald was engaged with a lineman and then coming off him. And here comes Aaron Jones. And he didn't just chip him with an elbow, Tyler, or anything. He hit him right in the, right in the chest, right in the breastplate. And he jarred Donald back. I thought, wow, little Aaron Jones, 205, stuck his nose like that in there. The guy wants to win. He's a heck of a football player. Maybe I've gone too too overboard on him all these years, but I don't think you're going overboard at all. It's a different it's a different offense. With I mean, they have life. He's your one player that can bust loose for 20, 30, 40 yards. That's what Kurt Warner said too. It's like he's the one guy that gives you a little yak damage. And when you I think a big question fans have had, and justifiably so, this is one thing I asked Kurt. Like, why does this offense look so different than everybody else who comes from the same coaching tree? Kyle Shanahan with the Niners, Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins, Bobby Slowick, holy hell, and Houston, what they just did to Tampa Bay. And he made a point that they just, especially with Jones out, they don't have that weapon who's just going to eat up yardage after the catch, after the carry. And... San Francisco's a different offense without Debo Samuel. That that that's for sure. That is really the key here in, in making this thing go. So yeah, they didn't exactly light the world on fire against the LA Rams, but the Packers did have 391 total yards, and Aaron Jones was the number one reason mm-hmm. for that, which is really impressive when you think about some of the plays that were left on the field. I mean, easily should have been 440, 450 if they just connect on a few of these plays. 
So they're three and five and they got to get one in Pittsburgh, you know, and uh, they have a tough four game stretch now. All right. So Tyler, um, should we move on? Let's do it. Oh, real quick. There was a question, Matt, in the chat every Sunday. We're in there. Hang out with us. It's on the Substack app. And also right on your browser, wherever you read, go along. I'm I'm sending out the email the morning of. So Matt asked about the Green Bay assistant coaches and if Matt LaFleur has a bigger issue in just letting quality slip from his staff. Do you think they've let some good coaches go? Is that affecting what we're seeing on the field to any extent? Hmm. How many coaches has he lost? Has he lost that many? I guess if you take it back to like Luke Getze and yeah, there hasn't been that many though. You're right. The old line coach got promoted to coordinator and they promoted Luke Butkus. I mean, those are the, the key positions. Jerry Montgomery's been his only D line coach. Sermons, Ben Sermons has been the only RB coach. Uh, I don't think there's been much staff turnover, special teams, but I mean, he fired and now he's got Basaccia. I think the staff's been pretty static. Maybe the question is more so, should there be change? Should they shake it up? Has it gotten stagnant? I'm not a big proponent in firing assistant coaches. You hired them. You make them in, in your specification that can do your, your job, what you want. You said Joe Barry's done, right? Barring a miracle. Maybe this is a big turnaround, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you can handle Ripian, you can handle anybody. <laughs> that's for sure. All right. So Tyler... Hey, that's kind of how we kept this job last year. That little surge. <laughs> that little surge in December. So Tyler. In thinking about the McGinn memory for this week before we close it out, I just didn't – I wasn't feeling it for anything with the Rams, you know? And then I don't know how I thought of this, but – so I'm going to pick up my iPad and arranged, aligned, arranged on my kitchen table are every Packer press guide that I own. Wow. And that's 52 of them. So I got 69, 70, and 73, and then from 75 to the present. That 75 is the year I joined the Green Bay Press Gazette. Didn't get on the beat till 79, but, I mean, I had them. So I got everyone, and the covers are – so I'm going to have to go and take this iPad, and we're going to look at these covers of the Packer Press Guide, okay? I like it. Bob on the move. Here we go. Yep, here we go. All right, so – Let's start with this. The Packer Press Guide is, and is seriously, it's always been one of the, I'd say, five best in the NFL. I got every NFL Press Guide from every team from 84 till about 2010 when some teams stopped publishing them. So they're in my basement. I got every year. They're cumbersome, bulky, but I got them all. And I know a lot about Press Guides. And so in the years I have, the PR directors were Chuck Lane, Lee Remmel, Jeff Blum, and Jason Wallers. 
So they run this operation with tremendous assistance from their, their assistants. And the Green Bay Packer press guide has always been unreal. It is a leader. You agree, Tyler? I was just going to say, as a young Packers fan in Western New York, once upon a time, what kind of made me fall in love with sports in general was the media guide. And before you start showing them off, the memory just popped in my head. I bet you it's somewhere in my closet, tucked away in there. I want to say the first one I got had Ken Ruckers on the cover. It might have been 1995. You got it. I'm I'm looking at Ken right here. All right. (laughs) I mean, think about it. No internet. Uh, That's being obsessed with statistics at a young age. I had my own little stat book. I'd keep things in, but that was your source. I mean, to, to figure out anything and everything about any team. You needed that media guide. So every team had to print up a, a media guide. That goes, I'm sure, back into the 40s. When I was at the Press Gazette, they had some old Packer ones now. I think they had a full set. So they're all through the 50s and into the 40s. I remember looking at those. Um, the size of these books, through 97, they were five by seven. Kind of a nice size, you know. And then in uh, 98, they went to five and a half by eight and a half. And that's the size they are right now. Um, all right. Now, hold on. Here. <laughs> so in 1969, the first one I got here, there's 72 pages. And uh, Ford Motor, uh, Grand Torino, that, they, Ford always had the, the ad on the back of this press guide. Donnie Anderson's on that cover. Can we get a look here, Bob? How can I do this, Tyler, like this? Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay. Okay. 72 pages. And now this year's book has 584 pages. There they are. All right. So now we're going to talk about some of these covers. All right, T? (laughs) Um. What covers do I like the best? Well, who, who's, who's the most covered guy? In those years, Brett Favre was on four times in his 16 years, 93, 98, 02, and 05. Bart Starr as coach. Now, I don't know about him as a player, but as coach, 75, 76, and 79. Three of his first five years, the coach, the general manager, Bart Starr, was on that cover. Um. Lindy and Fonny made it twice in 88, his first year. And then in 89, he was there again after a 4-12 and campaign. <laughs> Lindy and Lee had it going. Lynn Dickey's here twice in 77 and 85. All right. So Star's the leader with four. Now, Aaron Rodgers is only here once. But the Packers made a huge change starting in 2013. So in the last 11 years, there's been no player on the cover. It's just basically a G other than their 100th year book in uh, 2018 when they had some old leather helmet players coming out of the current stadium. And then in 2015, they got kind of a silhouette of Lombardi. All right. um, So now it's just G and a lot of teams have just gone to that. 
you don't see a lot of art or drawing or anything about an individual player, you know? All right. What, what are some of my favorite covers? All right. Certainly. 1992. Now the pictures, a lot of these pictures of rookie coaches are during their first mini camp, May and June mini camps, you know? So there's Mike Holmgren and his uh, coaching shorts on the Oneida street practice field, probably about age 42 sunglasses, hands on hip, little uh, small card in his left hand, goal watch up, up high on that left arm. Got Packer garb on overlooking the troops. It's a great shot. <laughs> now, in 84, Forrest Gregg's first year. Oh, my God. You talk about a fitting cover. There's Forrest at minicamp <laughs> with a mean skull. And I remember that first minicamp in no pads, obviously. And he wanted he wanted people to be hitting out there. And they did. It was crazy. It and was no pads. Freaking, it was freaking nuts, that first minicamp, trying to impress Forrest. And he had that skull, man. He wanted contact in April, May. All right. The year before, Larry McCarron. Man, it's a hell of a shot. He's in a game. He's buckling up his helmet. He's all covered with mud and grime. There's Larry in 83, <laughs> the Pro Bowl center. I like this one. 1978. The pack's coming off a terrible year. And the old tunnel at Lambeau on the – South end, north end. It was real narrow, and that's where the Packers would come out. And the picture's taken from behind the Packers lined up, and they're introducing the defense. Bob Barber now is running out between the Packer cheerleaders. They're lined up uh, from the goal line out to the 30, and there goes Bob Barber, number 70, the defensive end. Looks like Gary Weaver's going next. There's Bart down there in a sports coat sending uh, each player out. There's Rich Wingo. And there's Gary Weaver and Willie Buchanan and Steve Luke and Jimmy Colbreth and the whole deal. They're lined up. It's a good one, T. Let's, see that? There it is. Yeah, let's see them. Yeah. All right. Now, the most controversial cover that I've seen. Controversial. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Certainly it was in 1979. Now, the Packers sponsored a, a golf outing at Oneida Golf and Riding Club for media members near and far right about two days before the start of training camp. And um, so I was part of that contingent. And so you'd golf 18 and then uh, have dinner. And generally, Bart Starr would make an address or, you know, talk a little bit about the season ahead. So we're sitting there during cocktail hours and Lee Remmel and uh, Chuck Lane walk around the room handing out the fresh copy of the brand new yearbook of media guide. And on the cover, they commissioned San Francisco artist, David Grove. And it's, it's a, a beautiful, unique illustration showing Bart Starr looking earnest and tanned in his yellow coaching shirt with a silhouette behind him of coach Vince Lombardi. Let's so see you it. got Bart. You ever seen this one, Tyler? Oh, I have not. Wow. Okay. So so there he is, a Mr. Quarterback with his head coach, Lombardi. Bart now is entering his fifth year. He's under a lot of heat. 
but he had a good year. He had his first winning season. He's coming off eight, seven, and one. Almost made the playoffs the year before. So some people wrote about this, and the comments were the the audacity of this man, you know, putting himself as a coach, you know, e- even in this on the same cover as Vince Lombardi. And others liked it, you know, the strong, stern jaw and the, the furrowed brow. Bart was very earnest in his coaching and GM job, Tyler. <laughs> so that was the most controversial one. Nowadays, they're all pretty boring. Just a G up there, you know, but they don't want to just have a player. A lot well, of action. It really reminds me of the Super Bowl logos. Remember how fun those used to be for so many years? Like the, the actual oh, the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl logos. Logo. Yes. Yeah, it would play off of like the city cool. it's in or Golden Gate Whatever. Bridge. They take, they take a chance with the graphic design. Now they're just so bland and blah and sipid. Just... Um, action, you know, just generally action photos in the early years. They love gang tackling. Those make good covers. Gang tackling in 1970, 1973, and 1986. But oops, the, the, the focal point of the 1986 one is nose tackle one Charles Martin, who then committed the uh, unforgivable sin of, well, depends on what side you're on, but uh, maiming Jim McMahon with the uh, shoulder, the, the uh, body slam. So Charlie That's Martin, clean. number 94, is in the middle of that one. Who is not on the cover? Ted Thompson never was. Ron Wolf was once in 99. With his brand new head coach, Mr. Ray Rhodes. <laughs> a combination. <laughs> a very short Not made in heaven. <laughs> That's right. Bob Harlan was never on this cover. I can still remember Ron Wolf's press conference when they they fired Ray Rhodes and he made the point, look, things were good at one like they we, he's like we were four and two. Didn't they beat like San Diego? Yeah, things are going well, and then everything kind of started to fall apart. And you think about what he was replacing and Mike Holmgren. Mark Murphy's never been on the cover. Brian Gutekunst has not been on the cover. Matt Lafleur, the first year coach, is always on that, but you know they were into the G routine at this point, so he didn't make it either. Uh, individual players, I see Mike Douglas in '81. I see Clifford Lindicky, of course, twice. I see Mark Lee in 87. He had some great years in there, the corner from Washington. I see Kenny Rutgers, as you mentioned, in 85, 95, a good tackle. Reggie White, the year they won the Super Bowl, 96, that tight close-up of Reg. Got Leroy Butler, the ebullient Leroy, in 94, Let's celebrating a victory. Can you tilt the camera around? Sure. I don't want to mess this up, Tyler. <laughs> okay, there we go. Nice. There's oh, Sterling yeah. Sharp in 91. Sterling on a release. And there's Timmy Harris, Crazy Tim, 1990, the sack king. He's celebrating a sack. And the only other players we got, Tyler, are Charles Woodson in 2010. Looks like he's running with a pick. Mike Sherman made it his first year. That's about it. So I got 52 years. 
the first three, 69, 70, and 71, we got Donnie Anderson and then some gang tackling. Uh, I bought those things at antique stores in, this, in the Badger State. They're pretty pricey, too, like 15, 20 bucks. Couldn't expense them, though, Tyler. <laughs> so Hale, Chuck Lane, the great Lee Remmel, Jeff Blum, Jason Wallers, and all those assistant PR guys who worked their tails off in February, March, April, May, June, July. Their book is the equal. It's better. It's as good and probably better than almost any in the league. It's a great book. And uh, I hope you uh, listeners have seen this Packer Press guy because it's uh, it's really a thing of beauty. I guess that's it for this blabbing away, Tyler. Well said. I like it. A different McGinn memory today. Mm-hmm. A, a quite literal stroll down memory lane. Beautifully put. <laughs> All right, Bob. I have nothing more to add. I think it's time to collapse here, if that's okay with you. 40 winks for you, Tyler. <laughs> that was great. Thanks for uh, carrying us like you do. And there's uh, there's always another week to bring my A game. I think I brought about a C minus to C plus game <laughs> on my analysis. But that's uh, it, it, it reflected the, the performance of both teams at Lambeau Field, I'd say, right? It was, as you put, a quote-unquote terrible football game. Yep. But they got the win, and I'll know shortly, I think I'm going to be there in Pittsburgh for Steelers-Packers, covering it live. Oh, yeah? Great. Yes. I think Golong will be on hand for this one. Great. So we'll uh, definitely have to dissect it as such. Bob, anything else? No, let's uh, let's wrap her up, T. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you so much, everyone. Ty and Bob Pod here, golongtd.com. Make sure you listen to last week's episode with Brett Favre. He was phenomenal. Digging into Jordan Love, the Green Bay Packers. As always, the Go Long Show with Jim Bonus and all features, all columns, deep dives, everything for our subscribers. We cannot thank you enough. We'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.